Today we are continuing our sermon series that we've called Grow Up. Uh, and throughout this series we've been reminded that part of following Jesus is not just about just committing to follow him, but it's then building on that and continuing to grow in our faith to be like him and to be the person that he has created us to be. Over the last two weeks, we've been reminded that an essential part of growing up involves going deeper into what we heard about last week was called the solid food of God's word and, uh, un- and, and understanding him in the Bible. And we're going to continue this theme together as we look at today's passage. So um, there's a typo on the sheet. Um, today we're going from Hebrews 6, 1 to verse 12. Um, so if you've got a Bible and would like to turn to that and follow along with me as I read it, you'd be very welcome. Alternatively, the words will be up on the screen as we go through. But Hebrews 6, 1 to 12, uh, we'll read together now. Therefore... Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain often falling on it and that produces a crop useful to those whom it is farmed receives the blessing of God. But the land that produces fawns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we're convinced of better things in your case. In your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those whose faith, who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to spend some time thinking about uh, these verses together this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wonderful truth that is contained within it, for the way in which it shows you who you are and how it helps us to live as you have created us to live. And Lord, as we consider this passage together now, we pray that your spirit would be moving, that your spirit would be speaking to our hearts and to our minds, that we might know more of you uh, and more of your goodness uh, this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. As I've already mentioned, I'm conscious that today uh, there are a number of people here who are here because one of our church members is quite literally growing up. Uh, Well, some would say, uh, I feel a bit like Jeremy Clarkson, some say Sue has grown up. Uh, We just call her the Stig. Um, But this weekend, uh, Sue is celebrating a significant birthday. And uh, I know there are lots of celebrations planned, uh, both this week and next week. Um, And uh, it's wonderful that Sue has invited her whole family to come and join us as we worship and as we celebrate um, together this morning. Now, without giving too much away, at least mathematically, Sue has done twice as much growing up as I have. Um, So obviously, I'm only in my 20s. Uh, so I'll let you work out how old Sue is. Um, but when it comes to growing up, it would be arguable uh, that Sue has got some more experience than me. And uh, when I speak to people like Sue, uh, for those of us who have a few more years under our belts, one of the difficulties in growing older is that you can't do all that you used to be able to do. Uh, as we grow older, our identity changes, and it gives us some real privileges and some real joys. For example, some of us might get to the stage where we're able to retire. Uh, Some of us might not, with the way the economy is going, but that's a conversation for another time. Uh, For most of us, some of us might be able to see grandchildren and let them grow up and be grandparents and have the privilege of being a grandparent. Are we at great-grandparent stage yet? Not yet, not yet. Come in, though. Okay, okay. Um, Or we might have the greatest perk of all in growing up, a free bus pass. Uh, We all have great joys to look forward to as we get older. But the change of identity also comes with some real challenges. We find ourselves looking back with fondness, and we wish that we could go back to times when our health was better. Or we were able to be more physically active. Or the times when we had a few less grey hairs. Or whatever it might be. So you might be saying, Matt, this all sounds very interesting, but what does any of this have to do with that passage from Hebrews that we've just read together this morning? Well, in many ways, the church that received this letter were also experiencing their own growing pains. This book was written to members of the early church who had uh, Jewish roots. And as such, they too felt like as they'd grown in their faith, as they'd grown to be followers of Jesus, their identity had also changed. Now, that new identity had with it great benefits and privileges. They had seen Jesus. They had experienced the difference that Jesus can make in our lives, bringing healing and doing miraculous things that only he could do. But they also experienced the growing pains. They began to look back. They started to wish that they could do things that they used to be able to do as they used to be able to do them. The message of this passage is to not get stuck, but to keep to not get stuck looking back, but to keep growing in your faith. This might be a painful process at times, but in that pain, it's never a negative. There is nothing wrong with looking back to where you have come from, 
but we need to keep on going and keep on growing to be who it is that Jesus wants us to become. So the first thing we need to recognize is that growing up requires some good, sound foundations. Verse 1 builds on where we left off last week uh, as, we were as, as we're encouraged to move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and a faith in God. Elementary teachings. It's a good place to start. When I was at university, I uh, wasn't the most studious of students, uh, but in my first year, the motivation to study was even harder than it would be in any other given year because I had all these essays to do, all these exams to sit, and not one of them would count towards my final mark. The teenage boy brain said, why bother? Uh, why would you go to all that work to not have any reward? That first year at university was the elementary or foundational level. And what I now realize, and I've eventually worked out there as well, is that I needed to have that foundational understanding in order to be able to continue to grow throughout the rest of my degree. My aim was not to complete the first year of my degree, it was to complete the three years of my degree. Our foundations matter. One of my dreams that will probably never be realized is that I would love to build a house. Um, I love the programmed grand designs. I love seeing how people can create something that's bespoke to them, the transformation of old into new, a new space given new life and purpose as it's built and it's developed. Something within that narrative just connects with me. But from my knowledge of watching grand designs, Often the foundations are the most expensive, the most time-consuming, the most vital part of any building. And the reason for that is, that the, is because they're so important. And they're so important because those foundations underpin everything else that is to come. And the same is true of the Christian faith. It's essential to have sound foundations. We, hold, we need to hold on to the elementary teachings, as Hebrews puts it, about who Jesus is. But you don't then build foundations just to stop and sit out on the foundations with your feet up watching Netflix on a Sunday, on a Sunday afternoon or whatever it is we're going to do for the rest of the day. You build a house for a purpose, to live in. If you want to experience the full fruits of the full design of the house in which you're building, if you want to live in a house with four walls and a roof, then you can't just stop at the foundations. You need to keep on building. You need to keep on growing. Could it be that maybe some of us today might have built up the foundations, but we're sitting on a slab of concrete wondering where the rest of the house is? Could it be that we're looking to see the goodness of God being revealed in our lives, but we're just sitting on the foundations instead of keeping growing and building on those foundations in our lives? 
Jesus told a well-known parable of two men who wanted to build a house. Uh, One house um, uh, is built quickly without any foundations on some sand, whilst another house is built on a rock with good, solid, firm foundations. And as the wind and the rain and the waves all come in onto these houses, the house without any foundation falls to the ground, whilst the house that's built on the rock stands firm. And Jesus says this, he says to everyone who's hearing him tell this story, everyone who hears these words, and that includes us today, of mine, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So I wonder, what foundations is your life built on today? This letter to the Hebrews reminds the church of its good foundations. The writer doesn't want them to get stuck uh, or, or to come undone later on when the storms come in, so he points them to Jesus. And as he does so, he encourages them to invest in their foundations and to build on the rock. This foundation is our faith, what Christians would call the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for each one of us. Look at some of the things that are mentioned in verses 1 to 3 with me. The, repent, or the foundation of repentance. Uh, we looked at this as a church together a few weeks ago. If you missed it and are interested, you can find it online um, to catch up. But repentance is the start of the gospel. It's not a negative thing, but it gives us new life. It enables us to find joy as we turn around and come back to God. The next foundation is putting our faith in God. Being a Christian isn't just about turning away from stuff, but it's turning to the God who is a wonderfully, abundantly good and, and, and unique like no other. This goes along with baptism, the foundation of being cleansed and made new in Christ, just as we celebrated a few weeks ago as Susanna was baptized here in, in our church. Next is the foundation of prayer, the laying on of hands and the link in Scripture between the laying on of hands and the receiving of the Spirit. This is not just an optional extra, but it's a central foundation of the, to the hope that we have in Jesus. The final two foundations are the resurrection of the dead, that Jesus died and rose again, that we share in a new life that he offers to us all. And then finally, that God is the eternal judge. It's not up to me to judge you this morning. Uh, Never would I want to do that. Each one of us, though, will need to stand before Jesus and give an account of how we have lived the life that he has given us to live. There, these are the foundations of our faith. They are the foundations of our church. They offer us all good news that we can build our lives upon. We all are going to face that judgment of Jesus. Each one of us is going to come face to face, and Jesus is going to say, so, tell me how you lived your life. But the good news 
for each and everyone who follows Jesus today is that we can have the confidence that in that judgment there's nothing to worry about. Because as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he writes this, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Remember, gospel means good news. This is something to celebrate. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. Death has been swallowed up in victory. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is the good news of Jesus. His foundational truth, truth. if we base our lives on these foundations, then nothing can ever move us. As Paul wrote on, these, or, or wrote on these foundations, we can stand firm. The grip of death has been defeated. The victory is won. This is the rock on which we can build our lives. We could spend all morning looking at these foundations of faith together, but the foundations are laid with a purpose. And the purpose is that we would grow and that we would be fruitful in our faith. Verses uh, 4 to 8 uh, in this passage have been some of the most awkward and difficult for theologians, church pastors, and church believers like many of us here today. When we take these verses at face value, they have caused pain and guilt and anxiety They've led to people to question their faith, whether they might have been the people who have fallen away. Could it be that we or I might be guilty of crucifying the Son of God all over again? Surely not, Lord. We need to recognize, as we look at these difficult verses, that this is a pastoral letter written to a particular group of people at a particular time in a particular place. Therefore, we can't just read these verses alone. We need to read them in the narrative and in the context of all of Scripture. And the message of the Bible is clear. The grace and the mercy of Jesus never fails. Our faith in Jesus is not based on our own commitment to him, but instead on his commitment to us. As one John puts it, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Yet these verses bring with them a clear warning. If we are to turn our back from Jesus, there are severe consequences. This letter was written to those who'd come to know the good news of Jesus. They had sound foundations. All the hard work had been done. But now they were busy tearing up those foundations. They wanted to change who Jesus was and what he had done. They wanted to bring adjustments to that core message. Some were even actively turning away from the foundations altogether and just saying, oh, they're never going that. I'm going over there instead. 
to these people, Jesus is making these stark warnings that we too need to hear. But the question is, if our foundations give us a purpose, are given for a purpose, how do we use our foundations to then grow fruitfully? The good soil in verse 7 and the bad soil in verse 8, if you, if you want to look at it with me, they both receive the same rain. They have the same foundations. They're soil. So soil plus rain equals growth. But only one is fruitful, whereas the other is not. We might have good foundations, but the question is, what are you going to use your foundations for? As I reflected on this, my mind went to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Um, if you want to look at it uh, later, then please do so. But the fruits of the Spirit, they're up on the screen. Uh, that God, these are the things that God wants us as Christians to nurture and develop and see blossom in our lives. And, and these are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But could it be that on our foundations, they're being contaminated with things that hinder this fruit from growing? Could these desires, or, or, or the, the desires of our human nature that are listed elsewhere in Galatians 5, feel free to read it later if you're interested, could it be that other things are invading into the sound foundations we have in Jesus? and preventing us from bearing the fruit that God wants us to produce. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 7, it is by their fruit that you will recognize God's people. Jesus didn't just want us to have nice, good, secure, doctrinally sound foundations, although they are good, Jesus wants us to go on from that and to be fruitful because it is by our fruits that he recognizes us. So the question we face this morning is, how is your fruit looking? Last week, we talked about being people of influence as we follow Jesus, as we grow in our faith. So what fruit is your influence bearing? Do you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control blossoming in your life? More to the point, what do the people around you see? Because you can think you're being really loving, but if someone else isn't feeling loved, then I'm sorry, you've got it wrong. Could it be that where there should be fruit, other things are invading into that soil instead? Could there be thorns and thistles that are preventing you from producing the fruit that God has called each one of us to produce? The passage ends with the pastoral heart of the person who wrote this letter shining through once again. This is something we looked at last week that we don't quite know who it was who wrote this letter, but one thing we do know is he cared deeply about the church and about God's people. He's challenged the church quite abruptly in this passage so far, but as he comes to uh, the end of this passage, he then wants to encourage them again to keep on growing. 
he starts off by wanting them to look back and to remember who God is. He's offered some stark warnings to the church, but in verse 10, he reminds us, oh, that God is just and he is faithful. He sees the way that we love and serve him. Where we put our faith into action, Jesus sees it and he honors it. So he wants to encourage them that, look back, God sees you. He's good, he's just, he's faithful. He's on your side. But as he encourages the church to look back, he also encourages the church to look forward. He encourages them to keep on growing into the future as well. Listen to verses 11 and 12 again. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. No matter how far you have come, no matter how much you have grown, we all need to keep on growing right to the very end. You might have as many years experience as Sue, you might have as many years experience as me because I'm a young whippersnapper. But however many years you have, the challenge for us all is to keep on going right to the end. We can't become lazy. We can't give up trying to understand. Instead, we are encouraged to look around, to look at those who have gone before us that we might be inspired by their faith, that we might too continue to grow and inherit the goodness that Jesus has promised to us all. When growing pains hit, it's easy to look back to how things used to be, to wish like we could go back. But the message of this passage is that we need to be persistent. We need to keep on growing right until the very end. We need to be persistent and stand firmly on those sound foundations that we have in Jesus and his message of good news to us all. But as we stand on those foundations, we also need to be fruitful. We need to keep on growing, creating fertile soil that his spirit would continue to grow and bear good fruit throughout our lives. If we persist, if we keep growing, then there is good news for us all, because it's then that we will inherit all that Jesus has promised to us. And that promise will never leave us feeling disappointed. It will never leave us looking back. It will just leave us left in awe and wonder. Let's pray together. Father God, we praise you for the foundations that we can build our lives upon. That in Jesus there is good news for us to share. And Lord, we pray that those foundations will continue to be at the core and the center of who we are. But Lord, we pray we wouldn't just sit out on that slab of concrete admiring the foundations that we've built, but we will continue to grow that we would continue to be fruitful, 
Lord, we pray for each one of us that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control would all flow throughout our lives. We pray we will continue to persist, to keep on going right to the very end, knowing, Lord, that as we do so, you are good and faithful, and the, all that you have promised will be unveiled within our lives and throughout our lives, giving us life and hope forevermore that will never be taken away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.